Welcome to the 11th episode of the Yanks Go Marching Podcast from the suburban sprawl in New Jersey to Rocky Mountain High, Colorado. I am Patrick McDonald, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Chris Kaminsky. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I just got off a plane, so a little bit of jet lag, but ready to rock and roll. It's a beautiful day here in Colorado, so let's do this. Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, for those of you listening home, it is just 18 days until the U.S. faces Ghana in the 2014 World Cup. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, tonight's beer choices are pretty lame, actually. Uh, I'm just drinking water because I have to go for a run after this uh, show. Uh, Chris is drinking Coca-Cola, and Jason is the only one rocking it with a Flying Dog Lucky SOB Irish Red Ale from Frederick, Maryland. Uh, as always, send in your own yellow and red cards as we do at the end of every episode. Just tell us what you think me and Chris screwed up on, and it's, uh, we can always have a good time. So, lots of news, but we're going to start with the most recent. Uh, the U.S. opened its World Cup warm-up campaign against Azerbaijan out in Candlestick Park. Uh, they came away with a kind of nerve-wracking 2 nothing win. Uh, goals by Mix Discrude in the 75th minute and Aaron Johansson in the 81st. Um, basically, the, everyone went into this game expecting the U.S. to mop the floor with uh, Azerbaijan, uh, which had a very rather unspectacular uh, squad. But as always uh, with the U.S., when it comes to a team that will pack it in 11 men behind the ball, uh, it just didn't exactly work out the way that everyone predicted. Um Chris, what, if anything, can be taken away from this match? Well, uh, I don't know. There's, there was actually a lot that stood out to me, uh, and, you know, maybe not all of it's useful. But, uh, I mean, the first thing is, hey, good, we're, on, we're good on set pieces, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. uh, at least down, down the stretch there a little bit. That's mm-hmm. very good to me is that we're putting an emphasis on, on set pieces, and I know Azerbaijan is not the greatest defense in the world, but – hey, I'm really glad that we could score off a couple of those. Even if we couldn't score off really the run of play, um, we couldn't solve their back line really or well, their, their back line of 10 players. Um, I mean, I, I, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, our possession was good. We keep talking about how we're supposed to be a possession team. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and, uh, you know, Discarude's goal was good. It was opportunistic. He pounced on there. He, did, he didn't hesitate. Uh, Johansson, I'm a little confused why he was that wide open. I mean, there was nobody in the box. Uh, but, you know, he, he connected and scored. Uh, so, you know, he's kind of continuing his scoring way. So uh, there's a lot that I took away from it. What I really want to know from you, though, Patty, <laughs> is what would you think of the defense? Uh, well, I think they're... I'm to try to get forward, but what did you think of, of the way that uh, Klinsman deployed the defense and, and what did they look like to you? I mean, it's hard to really get a gauge from them because they didn't really face much. Um, you know, they, the only opportunities really created for Azerbaijan uh, were when mistakes were made. Um, our, our winger situation is... Uh, I don't love Fabian Johnson on the right. Um, I, I thought he was a little sloppy uh, with his passing going forward. But, you know, when he did succeed going forward, you know, he showed that skill he had. I, I, 
I think I'd rather see him in the midfield, though. Um, Timmy Chandler was all right. You know, I thought he had a good good game on the left. Again, uh, I think he's he's a more natural right back, whereas and Fabian Johnson being a more natural left-sided uh, player, it would seem to make sense for them to switch off. Uh, but no real tests for these, for these guys. Uh, you know, I think Cameron Beasler is the way to go in that center-back pairing, but um, really I, I think... I think we're not going to get until Turkey where we're going to get a real gauge of how well these guys can can do back there. Yeah, no. Chandler came out on the 46th for yeah. Beasley. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's likely the way that they're going to deploy Johnson, Cameron, Beasler, and Beasley across the back? I, I, I think, yeah. I, I, th- I mean, Beasley didn't do anything yesterday to say warrant any reason why he shouldn't be a starting left back. Um, you know, so if, if Klinsman is possibly... Um, you know, thinking uh, he might switch it up a little. I, I think he's going to have to see it in the next couple of games uh, against the tougher opponents. Uh, but right now, I don't see what um, what would change. I mean, there, there was nothing in this game that would say uh, that that back line shouldn't be deployed, except maybe that Fabian Johnson is not exactly a right-sided player, and maybe Timothy Chandler gets to start it right back against... Uh, uh, against um, Blankenier, against uh, Ghana? Oh, what's Turkey? that? Turkey, 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 Turkey. There you go. Against Turkey. So uh, that that's the one thing you can't analyze in this game, really, in my opinion, is the defense because they were just so not challenged whatsoever by Aisha Bajan's uh, anemic offense. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I just mm-hmm. it was an interesting deployment to me. It's not what I would have expected. Uh, I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't shocked. I definitely wasn't shocked, except for the whole Fabian Johnson on the right back was a little shocking to me. I thought we may have seen him in the midfield over Bedoya. Bedoya not being a very again. Clemson is playing yesterday. Played a lot of players outside their natural position, outside their natural side. Bedoya being more of a right-sided player, uh, Johnson being more of a left-sided player, and Chandler being more of a right-sided player. So that that was a little odd. Uh, I thought with, with Donovan out, I thought that Fabian Johnson would definitely be your default left midfielder. And, and I still think, especially if Chandler uh, continues to play as well as he did yesterday, which is fairly solid, um, I think very well we could see Fabian Johnson uh, end up on the left side in the midfield. Right. I agree. And, I, you know, I, I thought uh, obviously Davis had, you know, tremendous service on those two corner mm-hmm. kicks resulted in goals. But, you know, beyond that, he was, you know, serving up the ball extremely well. Yeah. Um, I'd almost like to see him on the left side, but then what skill do you bring off the bench really other than your forwards? Because Bedoya coming off the bench doesn't seem to me to be like, yeehaw! Mm-hmm. You know, um, obviously there's going to be a little bit, you know, of a, uh, a shakeup when uh, Dempsey's fit and ready to go. But mm-hmm. uh, Green brings a little bit of speed, but I don't know if he brings a little bit of skill. So uh, a little bit interesting to see how that's going to, all play out, or how Klinsman would have, you know, set the lineup had Dempsey not had that knock. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about yesterday is just simply, I mean, it's like nobody was terrible, nobody was impressive, so nobody really hurt their chances. I mean, two of the worst players on the field are probably still entrenched in their positions, that being Josie Althador and that being Michael Bradley, who Michael Bradley was very sloppy yesterday. Um, Alexi Lawless was someone who brought it up a lot that he's not a natural attacking midfielder, and that kind of showed itself. 
he, he was not really un, it, he was not able to unlock uh, a defense packed together so tightly like he was able to unlock the uh, Mexicans uh, back in April. Um, those are your two players who probably you know played the worst, and they're clearly not going to lose their starting role anytime soon. I mean, yeah. if, if Johansson lights it up during this uh, during these next couple of games, and Outdoor's drought continues. Maybe. Maybe we'll see that happen, but mm, not right now. Uh, yeah, but sure. only if they use a two-forward set going forward, you know? I mean, and who knows if Clint was actually going to do that. Yeah. Well, let's say uh, you bring up a good point. Uh, what did you think of the four-four-two yesterday? Uh, Well, it, sh- it certainly didn't do anything to break down the defense, did it? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed to me to be a little gummy in the midfield, uh, which is... Bad if you're gummy in the midfield with four players when you know you're when usually you're trying to play with about five there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but you know, for the most part, I you know possession was good. There just wasn't a lot of interchange, a lot of you know uh, going after guys in the way that I think we should. But you know, I mean, Green didn't play. Uh, you know, Discrude he kind of was a little opportunistic when he came on in the seventy first, but. Um, you know, he he didn't take great big runs at people. I I don't know. It was it was a little bit of a mixed bag for me in midfield. What'd you think? I, I mean, look, I, I I didn't love the four four two at all. Uh, you know, I I think at this point you know, we've we've seen it work for uh, everybody's many many have said this before me. We've seen it work for a half against Mexico, and then we've seen it work not work so much for now. I'd say a, a game and a half. Uh, I don't get. I really, honest. I don't get the whole changing up the uh, changing up the the formation at this point. You got through the hex with the uh, four or four two three one. It served you greatly. You got the goals you needed. You got the offense you needed. Um, why not stick with that? Uh, that allows Bradley to slink back to his better position as a box to box midfielder. It allows uh, allows Dempsey to be the creative midfielder. Which all things. Let's not forget that the team was certainly hurt by Dempsey not being in this game, despite I think an okay game that Wondolowski had. Um, but I just I don't see the purpose of going to the four four two when you've been playing the four two three one for so long, and it's it served you very well. You won with that formation. Stick with it. Yeah, and I agree with that. But you know, I think a game like you know, I mean, Mexico was a little bit different. Um, but a game like Azerbaijan, I really do think it's like a spring training game where the result isn't even what you're looking for. You're trying to get specific things out of specific players yeah. and see, you know, if we try this, how the players respond, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, that's exactly what Klinsman's trying to do is look at, you know, the makeup of his team, the mentality of his team, see if they can play in a 4-4-2 if the situation dictates it. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know I, that's fine by me. I mean, there, you can we can afford to goof around against Azerbaijan, right? Um, yeah. As far as I'm concerned. So. Oh, absolutely. And I think anybody who's willing to panic over this game has to realize that they have to realize that this is a game where we certainly can take some chances, uh, test something out. And let's not forget. I mean, for for all the dismissiveness of Azerbaijan, uh, they did only let up 11 goals in World Cup qualifying last year. I mean, the fact that they weren't able to compete more is because they just frankly couldn't score, and they couldn't score against us yesterday either. Um, and oh, then, they didn't try either. What's that? They didn't try either. Yeah, exactly. And, 
you know, it, it's that's why it's not time to hit the. I mean, there's so much. It's the first game. You got a defensive team. The U.S. has never played well against a team that packs an eleven. And the three teams that we're going to play in the opening round are not going to pack 11 in behind the ball. Uh, Dempsey being lost at the last minute didn't help. And, uh, you know, it's, it's again, it's that first game that where they're going to, you know, mess around a little bit. Uh, so it's absolutely not time to hit the panic button, that's for sure. Oh, uh, I'm not saying panic button. Oh, yeah, but I'm, I'm just talking about, like, the Twitter sphere. Because, well, I mean, the Twitter sphere is prone to panic. I mean, oh, don't, yeah. don't yell fire on the Twitter uh, Twitter sphere or you might just cause the internet to explode. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Well, and, you know, but that's why I say I really like the, you know, fact that we scored off set pieces. Because mm-hmm. I think when it comes down to it, um, if we have trouble scoring through, you know, the regular run of play, you know, we're, that's a very American thing, right, to <laughs> score off yeah. set pieces. So it's nice to have that in our back pocket and to have confidence that we can execute. You know, that because confidence is – you know, half the equation or more. So. Oh yeah, and a tight game in uh, in at the World Cup, bringing being able to bring off Brad Davis, who may who, he's not he's not the fastest guy in the world, but you know he can deliver a tremendous uh, dead ball uh, a kick. Yeah, you know it's I said it I said it after the Panama game where he inserted himself late last year and uh, you know created the scoring opportunities late in that match. But this guy, you know, this is a valuable thing to have in the World Cup, and uh, you know, proved its worth last night. Of course, we'll see if it continues to pay dividends uh, as the next couple of games go on. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. Right. Uh, anything else we want to talk about in this game? Uh, you know, it's just a primer. Yeah, like you say, with Turkey, the real the real challenges are going to begin, and hopefully, it's just a confidence builder and and shows that you know that there's you know some things to work on. Uh, there's some positives, and yeah, just ready to move forward with that game on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely, and that'll be the big, uh, the big first test in Harrison, New Jersey, uh, against Turkey. I will be there, not in stadium, but around the area, trying to gauge the pulse of the fan for a video. Uh, so uh, keep an eye out for me. I'll be at El Paso in Newark uh, before the game, and probably after. Um, so, yeah, that wraps that up. Uh, USMNT wins their first game 2 nothing, And uh, the most important thing to always remember, a win is a win. Uh, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. No, probably not, but, you know. <laughs> well, what uh, player grades do people most disagree with from that game? I mean, meaning to ask you. Um, well, it, it, for what I, I – I don't get why people came after me. I think – here's the thing about player ratings is – People go in with preconceived notions of players, and they just can't get over them. Like Brad Davis. Brad Davis is not fast, and I think people hate him for that and think he's not going to get do anything in the World Cup. So uh, I got yelled at for uh, for giving Brad Davis an eight, even though his foot pretty much was the game changer. Um, you know, uh, and then uh, I don't, I'm trying to think what others. I, I I've seen some very good ratings for Michael Bradley, which I did not understand. I thought he had a very sloppy game. Um, and uh, someone else criticized me for giving Josie Altidore a poor rating, even though he didn't do anything in that game that I noticed. Um, but those, those are the big discrepancies. Every, I mean, defense, I've pretty much across the board seen kind of like average ratings because not tested, didn't really do much either. otherwise. Um, and, yeah. 
it, for the most part, everyone agrees average across the board. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. So if you want to be the latest person to scream at me about my playing rating, you can definitely check them out on EmpireSacker.com. That's where you can find them. After every U.S. national team game where I usually piss off someone, uh, even if the, I'm telling you, with playing ratings, even if I, even if it was a win, even if the United States wins a World Cup, and I like just say give Josie out the door five in that game, somebody would look at that and be like, how could you give him a five? And I'll be like, we just won the World Cup. Who cares? Like, in all seriousness. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, before Azerbaijan, obviously the 23-man roster was announced much sooner than everyone expected. Um, let's just go over it real quick. In case you've been under a rock for the last week and a half, uh, let's go over it real quick. Uh, goalkeeper, Brad Guzan, Tim Howard, Nick Romando. Defense, DeMarcus Beasley, Matt Beasler, John Brooks. Jeff Cameron, Timmy Chandler, Omar Gonzalez, Fabian Johnson, and DeAndre Yedlin. Midfield, you had Kyle Beckerman, Alejandro Bedoya, Michael Bradley, Brad Davis, Mixed Discrude, Julian Green, Jermaine Jones, Graham Zussi. Forward, Josie Altador, Clint Dempsey, Aaron Hansen, and Chris Wondolaski. Uh Hey, Chris, were there any omissions that may have uh, struck you as shocking? Any omissions? Oh, man, I can't think of any big ones. Can you? Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any big names that uh, may have been left off the roster that uh, you know may that would be really, really shocking. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, obviously the big the big news was the exclusion of Donovan, and uh, you know some people think that signals that you know Klinsman is out of touch, and that uh, you know until we have to you know do these kind of things to motivate people, uh, you know that we're never going to be big on the soccer scene. And some people feel like, uh, you know, hey, because we're excluding a guy that we all thought we'd be counting on up to this point, because let's face it, I mean, the, the you know, reports out of that camp were that, you know, he kind of felt like he was, one, not able to, you know, keep up with the rigors of the camp, but also that his spot would be guaranteed anyway, <laughs> that he could just land in Donovan his way through everything on, you know, his name alone. Uh, I fall. I, I mean, I basically think that it, it's a it's a good thing for U.S. soccer, you know. Um, when you know the, when a good player, when a historically fantastic player for us, guy who scored five World Cup goals, who's uh, played in the second most World Cup games out of any uh, U.S. player, uh, is put on the outside looking in because of whether it's work ethic or ability right now or form. Uh, you know, that's that's a that's a good thing that we don't feel beholden to a player just because of his, what he did for us before. We're trying to win right now, and we need players in camp to give us the best chance to do that. Now, we can have a really good debate about whether or not Julian Green belongs there, or uh, whether you know Brad Davis belongs there, or you know any anyone else who got the nod over him. But the fact remains. Klinsman did not feel like he deserved to be there, and he even acknowledged that was a tough decision. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, we need if, – if, if we had any form of Landon Donovan, it needed to be Landon Donovan at his best because when Landon Donovan's at his worst, we know that he's a quicksand type of guy. When he gets in quicksand, he is done for. Uh, we saw it in his couple of stints in Germany – uh, we've seen it this year for the Galaxy. When he gets in a funk, he's no use to you whatsoever. 
Yeah. That was a long explanation. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was um it was tough. I mean, obviously for any US fan it was tough. I mean this has been talked to death, obviously, uh, since, you know, this news came out about a week ago. Um, but I haven't talked about it at all. Yeah, neither have I, so that's how I am, you know, and I'm gonna chew people's ears off as well. Um, uh, you know, Obviously, Landon Donovan has done a lot for us. For us U.S. fans, you know, the Algeria goal is one of the all-time greatest goals, you know, scored in U.S. history. Um, he was he carried the team on his back at the Gold Cup last year. Uh, that was an exciting thing to watch. He scored in the Mexico match. Uh, that clinched uh, the World Cup berth for the U.S. Um, he certainly has done a lot, but I think you bring up a good point. When he's a funk, which he obviously broke out of, as soon as he was uh, let go from U.S. camp with two goals and breaking the all-time leading record in MLS. When he's right. Do you think that was a coincidence? What's that? Oh, yeah. I think, was- I think he now just doesn't have to – I think it's very possible he now just doesn't have to worry about the U.S. national team, so he can put his full-on focus to the uh, MLS. And Well, I think he's probably just saying, up yours, Klinsman. Oh, that too. That too. Very I mean, possible. that's the way I would take it. But you know what? If he should have shown that fight six months ago. Yeah. No. He never should have taken time off. It's simple as that. It's not not just that he took time off. It's that he took time off and then came back and expected to be, you know, uh, catered to again. You know, expected to be everyone's lover boy. And he and Klinsman have never been on good terms. And just as far as I'm concerned, I can't think of a single game – since Klinsman's taken over, where I've seen Donovan and Dempsey on the field at the same time playing well. Uh, they just didn't work well together in Klinsman's system. And there weren't a lot of games where they were in the, at the same time anyway, maybe a hand, like a very small handful. So to me, it's it's not that big of a loss. Well, here's the thing. he, he is. There's no question in my mind he is one of the 23 best players uh, from in the United States right now. No question. That if you were going solely on that, he would be on this roster. That being said, this entire Klinsman, the entire time he's been under the Klinsman administration, he has never helped himself with what he said off the field. He would saying, ah, I don't know if I want to play forever. That was right before he won us his sabbatical. His sabbatical he took during World Cup qualifying. That is not going to be, uh, you know, that is not going to make any, any coach happy. Um, you know, and then just a couple weeks ago on the inside the U.S. March to Brazil, when he's, he announced, I can't train every day. I can't. I just can't. I, you don't say that. You just don't say these things. Donovan four years ago was just a little bit quicker. Who was, uh, or maybe even if Donovan had scored three to four, three to four goals, uh, in MLS before he got cut, which at that point he had zero, he may have been able to get away with those quotes. But, but, He's a little bit slower. He's not. I mean, like this idea that he's now plodding along is nonsense. But he's a little bit slower. He wasn't scoring the goals. He can't do everything. Those things. He so he absolutely did not help himself. Um, do the U.S. have the players to replace him? In my opinion, you put Fabian Johnson on the left wing, Zusi on the right, or or Bedoya for that matter. Let those two battle it out. I think you're going to be okay. Um, I I agree. We'll be okay. Yeah. I I, I don't. Here's the thing, like, you know, did the U.S. only score two goals against Azerbaijan yesterday because Landon Donovan wasn't there? No. The answer was no, not at all. Landon Donovan would not have had that much more of an impact on that game, I, at least I don't think, than, um, than if he, you know, if he had been there. 
Right. I think we could agree that, you know, it, it's going to be okay for us without Donovan. Uh, but I think the bigger question is, what is going to happen if we struggle to get out of the group stage? And then Klinsman is taking flack specifically for that decision. Because I, I don't think it's going to have any demonstrable difference, honestly, on the team. I, I said when we were picking our teams that I didn't think Donovan was a starter. I would have maintained that. He hadn't scored a competitive goal since October, you know, in a, in a meaningful competition, an MLS player, World Cup qualifying player, or whatever. Um, he, he scored in a friendly, but that's, you know, it's not really competitive. So, um, you know, his struggles were really evident. <laughs> and even though Josie has been struggling to score, there's not a, there's not an obvious person to take that target forward space from him. So mm-hmm. um, I never thought he was going to be a starter on this World Cup team. So, But what's going to happen when, you know, we struggle and it, there's a good likelihood that we will in that group stage and Klinsman has to st- face the music for that? Because it, it obviously – the selections he made with that 23-man roster are not just for this year, but they're preparing us for the next World Cup cycle as well, which I think shows a lot of forethought, but Clemson's going to take a lot of flack for it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that, that's a, that's another big thing about, you know, is he playing too much 2018 as opposed to 2014. Um, Klinsman, unless you think Klinsman's an idiot, unless you think he's an absolute idiot, he knows that as soon as he made that cut of Landon Donovan, that the success and failure of this team is 100% on him. He knows he's setting himself up for potential public relations disaster if this team goes 0-3 in the group stage. Um, now, as for him looking forward to 2018, I think taking three players who will have less of a role in this World Cup and more of one in the 2018 World Cup is not a bad decision. It's not. You know... What difference, honestly, were Clarence Goodson and Brad Evans going to make? Well, you know, if it, if it comes down to injuries, then at center back in particular, then we're a little bit in trouble if John Brooks has to go in there. But uh, right back, I mean, we've got three guys who can play right back in, in a pinch if need be. Uh, and Brad Evans, frankly... And three that can play left, honestly. Yeah, exactly. And frankly, Brad Evans versus DeAndre Edlin... Yeah, you know, it's like, really, is it is Yedlin really that much worse? Uh, I, you know, it's he's got more upside in my opinion, especially after watching Brad Evans get burned against South Korea and just open the MLS season rather dreadfully. Yeah. Um, so in terms of that, I, I don't disagree with Klinsman. I think uh, let me throw this at you: Can Klinsman go zero and three and still keep his job? Uh, I actually think yes. Uh, I. We all know that this is going to be a very tough draw for us. We know that we struggle with Ghana. We know that Cristiano Ronaldo is the best player in the world right now, and we know that Germany is one of the top three teams in the world. That is a nightmare draw for anybody. Now, if we just do absolutely nothing, 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 we can't score, we can't defend, we can't do anything, that might change something. However, his job is safe because what Klinsman was hired to do was to build the U.S. soccer infrastructure and point us toward the future, not just to get us through one World Cup cycle where, let's be honest, we know we're not going to win the World Cup this year, you know? I mean, we're building toward 2022. That's the idea. When Klinsman took the job, he said, 
the, the idea for the you know U.S. men's team should be to be building toward 2022 right now because there's not the talent right now. There's not the infrastructure. There's not the development. So if that's his mantra continuously, and I think it has been, then he's going to be awarded the opportunity to follow through on that, regardless of what he did with Donovan. Maybe we don't have the talent to win the World Cup, but we absolutely have the talent to compete in the World Cup. I mean, that's a thing You are smoking crack. Is the 2014 team better or the 2010 team better? Well... That's a really dangerous question because the 2010 had better top-line talent, right? I mean, Donovan and Dempsey were in their primes. Howard was coming into his prime. Uh, I'd say Bradley was starting to find himself a little bit. uh, But there was holes in that team. I would say there's not as many glaring holes in this team, but if you think – Having Josie Altador, the current form he's in up front, um, if you think the current midfield that we have is top-line talent better than we had four years ago, you are nuts. I don't know. I mean, come on. It's right. Josie Altador is still better than he was four years ago, as bad as he was at Sunderland. Uh, Michael Bradley is head above shoulders better than he was four years ago. He is better than any player that was on that team four years ago. Michael Bradley is right now. If Michael Bradley can keep this up for a couple of years, he will be the best player of all time in U.S. men's national team history. No, he won't be considered that because he doesn't. He's not in a position that scores goals. Okay, he could very well be, but he's not in a position that scores goals, so no one's ever going to take notice of it. Well, that's then that's the fault of whatever. But, you know, whatever. I mean, okay. Are you chewing gum? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff Cameron. Better than Jada Merritt in the back right there. Uh, anybody better than Jonathan Bornstein at the left back. Uh, you know, and again, anybody in the central midfield better than Ricardo Clark. Robbie Finley started at the 2010 World Cup. We had three players that had no business being on a World Cup roster at all starting four years ago. 2014 is a much better team. Right. Well, remember team. too, though. I mean, I'll say this: um, Buttle should have been starting, but he, you know, for a number of reasons, he wasn't yes. the starter. Yes. I mean, so you know, we could say Finley was not the second best forward in the player pool, you know, four years ago, but because of circumstances, he ended up getting the start. Um, it, I just, I think, I absolutely believe. I believe the at the U.S. could. I'm not saying they would on any day, but I'm saying I think the U.S. could compete and beat almost every team in the World Cup. Brazil is the you only one. You are nuts. You, ten times, they, I'm not saying they win every time, but if, you play, if they played every team ten times, obviously there's some wacky scenario I'm talking about right here. But if they played every team ten times, they would win at least once. Brazil being the only one on Brazilian soil, I see the U.S. having absolutely no chance beating. But every other team, every one of those 30 uh, 31, uh, 30 other teams besides Brazil, I think the U.S. could win a game against down there in South I America. Think they're pretty much crazy. Will they? But, I don't. I think. I think. Best, I think best case. We're talking best case scenario. Well, best case scenario, they get nine points. That's not going to happen. Uh, but realistic best case scenario, yeah, they'll get four. Uh, I mean, out of this group, I, I, you know, I, I just, I, I think 
Germany's a loss. I really do think Germany's a loss unless they, I mean, this... Well, but you know, like, Germany's having a lot of injuries right now. I mean, I think that's yeah. what we can actually sneak away with if they their injuries don't get better, if they aren't a healthy team out there. Because they're going to be, if they are if they are unhealthy and they get out to a bad start, they're going to be in disarray. Now, I they're my favorite team to win the tournament mm-hmm. altogether outright. Yeah. I, think, I think they're going to clobber us. But I don't like the way they look with injuries right now. So I think that there's a possibility there. I, I don't think we're going to clobber it. I don't. Uh, but, you know, uh, the, the, I think, I think you know. Put that in writing. <laughs> we're going to get clobbered for a buy. Uh, well, yeah, you know, in, a, in, a, in one of our upcoming pods, we're going to talk about betting the World Cup. I, that's a, <laughs> I think that would be a safe bet is that we lose by two goals or more in that game. No. Oh, come on. No way. No way we lose by two goals or more in that game. No to Germany? Way. To Deutschland? To the Deutsche Fußballbunta? Two yes. goals or less. I'll go with the two goals or less if you're going two goals or more. No, you have to go one, you have one to go and a half. Goal. The over-under one and a half. Two goals. One and a half is the spread. One and a half is the spread. There you go. That way we're like in the middle there. Uh, so it's a one and a half point spread? Well, let's see what your friend says when he comes on the show, what the uh, spreads are. Uh, Portugal is the one I think. I think they can be had. Look, Cristiano Ronaldo, please, I, don't miss words when I say this. Cristiano Ronaldo is is the best player in the world right now. But his goal-scoring rate drops off significantly compared to Madrid when he's with Portugal because the team around him is not full of superstars like it is at Madrid. I mean, if he gets in the ball in a dangerous in position in international play, he's going to make you pay. There's no doubt about it. But the fact of the matter, he's not getting those opportunities as often. You look at the teams he's scored against, not too many of them are super impressive, except obviously in the qualifier, the, the last qualifier against Sweden, he put the team on his shoulders and he drove them to the World Cup. But if you look at many other of the opponents that Cristiano Ronaldo is notched against, the names don't jump out at you. They don't. Portugal can be had, and that's all I'm arguing, is that they can be had. Even though they have the best player in the world, the rest of the team is meh enough that they can be had. Uh, yeah, okay, I think that that's a possibility, but I definitely feel like there's a lot of pressure on Portugal to do well, and it's a, this sounds ridiculous, but it's a Portuguese-speaking country that they're playing in, right? Um, mm-hmm. And there's going to be some hostility toward them, just like there's always a little bit of hostility between us and England, mm-hmm. but... Um, at the, at the same time, I think they're going to feel pretty comfortable there and pretty determined to, to do well there. Now, uh, yeah, there's not the best team around him, but, I, you know, he's still better than any two players on the U.S. team. I'm not, and I'm not arguing with that, but I think that kind of goes back to our conversation of who's better, 2010 versus 2014, is that I think as a whole, and I'm not saying – you know, don't mince words that I'm saying the United States men's national team is better than the Portuguese national team. But they are – the Portuguese – what, they're ranked four in the world right now? That's definitely inflated. That is absolutely yeah. Well, European teams are typically inflated in those standings anyhow. Yeah. So, well, that was a fun argument. <laughs> that was a fun debate. Um we should probably talk a little bit about Turkey. Uh, we didn't really go into it too much. Uh, we kind of just mentioned it. Uh, so, yes, this Sunday, uh, 2 p.m. in Harrison, New Jersey at Red Bull Arena, the crown jewel of Major League Soccer stadiums. Uh, we, uh, the, the U.S. national team uh, faces off against Turkey. 
Uh, same squad they warmed up against was their final warm-up game in 2010. Back then, they won 2-1 to one with goals by Josie Altidore and Clint Dempsey. Turkey is currently ranked 39th, uh, 23rd in UEFA. Uh, they actually finished in fourth place in their qualifying group in uh, UEFA qualification behind the two that went on was the Netherlands and Romania. Um, they went five wins, one draw, four losses in qualification. Uh, they're, you know, they were a decent uh, test four years ago. Uh, they'll probably be a decent test again. Uh, Chris, have any thoughts what we might see this weekend against Turkey? Uh, whenever you say Turkey, I just think about uh, uh, Thanksgiving. And I just don't <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they're a fine team. I, I hope to goodness we will play them you know, well. Uh, I would expect to see uh, a different lineup and, different, and possibly a different formation. I think that Clint is going to continue to kind of tinker with what he has and throw different things out there while he still has the opportunity to do so and see what see how players respond to different situations. Uh, but I would expect a, a close uh, win again. Uh, hopefully Dempsey's well enough to play at least you know 45 in that game, and we can you know see a little bit how he fits in with uh, with those teammates out there. Uh, getting ready for the World Cup. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't expect us to blow their doors off, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I think yeah, I think we'll see a return to the 4-2-3-1, four, four, in my opinion, because um, I think it's possible the 4-4-2 four, four, is simply reserved for easier competition, which obviously we're not going to see in World Cup competition, but uh, I, I think he'll go back to the tried and true. Uh, as for a lineup, uh, players being switching out, I, mean, I think Dempsey will be fine. Everything I'm reading is that it really he was pulled out of only precaution more than anything else, and uh, that he really only needs a couple days off. Um, so I think we'll see him. And, and yeah, I think 45 is a safe bet. Uh, in terms of changes, maybe Klinsman takes a chance on Davis, considering how well he played. Um, it's kind of a coin toss as to who you think played better on the uh, between Bedoya and Zusi the other night. Uh, and defense, I think the least the center back pairing is going to stay the same. Uh, but in terms of your your wingers, uh, your fullbacks, I'm not sure. I, I I would try out Chandler on the right. Um, maybe leave Beasley back there. Maybe try Fabian Johnson back there. But uh, but I don't see an overhaul. I, I think if they, he overhauls everything, that's just not the way you want to go. You can't have too much uh, fluctuation at this point. There's only so few games you have left to get everything, uh, you know, in sync before the, the games really start to matter. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So um, I'm with you. I think a close win. Uh, uh, yeah. Results not important. Results not important. Nothing, no. but we get, you know, some good work out of guys. I'm I'm more or less happy, you know. Okay. Yeah, if it's one of those things where we, you know, with the what looks like the starting lineup looks in sync and uh, has the lead going into the half, and then some subs blow it, I'll be okay with that. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that being said, I'm predicting two one. Same same results as four years ago. <laughs> yeah. So this uh, slipped under the radar, I think, a little today, but uh, the Concacaf Champions League draw was held today, and uh, the MLS teams know who they're going to play in Group Two. Sporting KC is going to play Deportivo Saprissa of uh, Costa Rica and Real Esteli FC from Nicaragua. 
Uh, group three, the New York Rebels, will face either Toronto or Montreal. Uh, that winner will be determined on June 4th in the Canadian Championship. And Club Deportivo Fast from Honduras. Uh, group four will be DC United versus Toro FC from Panama and Waterhouse FC from Jamaica. Uh, and group five, the Portland Timbers have CD Olimpa from Honduras and Alpha United FC from Guyana. Uh, Chris, what do you, what do you think? Happy to not see them face off against any Mexican squads. Uh, what do, what do you have any, have any strong thoughts towards the CONCACAF Champions League? Uh, I do have some strong thoughts against about the league. Uh, and it's that the MLS sucks. And, uh, I, you know, I, of course I'd love for us to do well, but we never seem to do well. Uh, and yeah, I don't have, I don't hold out a lot of hope. Uh, who in there, I mean, is going to do well. I can't pick out a team that I can say is going to play well enough for us to hang our hopes on them. You see one? Based on current MLS form, no. Uh, they, they all are pretty awful right now. Um, Sporting KC and New York Rebels obviously just last night had a real stinker, a 1-1 draw. Uh, but uh, both obviously missing players for the World Cup. Uh, the Timbers are not living up to the hype they built up last year. I mean, that, that's three of the top teams from last year are playing rather awfully this year. Um, DC United, eh, you know, they, they well, yeah, and so do you, do you know, do United you, and Sporting KC positions, but I wouldn't call, say they're playing particularly well. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, come August when this starts, we might have a different story. I, I, at face value, four MLS teams should absolutely advance, especially out of Group Three. I mean, if, if neither the Canadian team nor the Red Bulls can advance out of Group Three, that's just embarrassing. Uh, right there. Um, I mean, there absolutely should be an MLS team advancing there. Um, uh, you know, and Portland, if they can play up to the way they played last year, yeah, they should absolutely march all over a team from Honduras and a team from Guyana. Uh, same with DC. They got that Jamaica throwaway game. Um, so yeah, at face value, they should, 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 should. You should. It's it's all about should. I mean, that's what we we even when we came back this previous season, and we all said at least one MLS team should advance to the uh, semifinals, and it didn't happen. Um, that's just the name of the game. But I, I do think the league is getting to a point where it should be cleaning, especially without Mexican competition. They should be cleaning up uh, in their groups, but that obviously remains to be seen. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really all I can say about that. But, uh, yeah, at least one of these teams that's expected to go through is going to stumble. It just seems to be the script every year. Yeah, I, I agree. I, it's, I, to me, it's it doesn't even hold my attention too much because, you know, we always do well early and always crap out against the Mexican team. So it's, it's, a, it's a book I've read before. Yeah, exactly. Who knows when the story will change, but one can always hope. <laughs> um. That pretty much wraps it up for uh, tonight's episode of the Yanks Go Marching Podcast. Got any? Oh, here we go. It is time for Yellow and Red Cards with Chase and Iapico. All right, so I got four cards for you guys today. Pat, you get a yellow for not knowing that the next game was against Turkey early on in the show. Because, come on, this is how do you not know that? I knew, I knew it was Turkey. I just blanked. Uh, you also get a yellow for claiming you didn't talk about the U.S. roster, although you clearly talked about it on, with me on the Red Bull Rant 100th episode. I probably did. I forgot yeah, I last week. <laughs> <laughs> I was very distracted that night. 
<laughs> um, Chris, you get a yellow because of your negative outlook on the U.S. chances at Brazil. Granted, they may not do well, but it doesn't mean that you can't be positive now. And okay, so we're gonna do a wrap, a World Cup wrap up at you know at the end of this tournament. I want that yellow card back if we don't do well. And you can turn it no, into no, no, a no. red. Sounds like a no, Pyrrhic no. victory. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying that you that you're necessarily wrong. I'm saying that you should have positive attitude. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like well, placement. Of course, I'm, I mean I filled out my bracket this week, and I have us advancing in my bracket. <laughs> but that's sentiment, you know. It's not it's not reason. Positive vibes, man. What has Klinsman taught us? If I were a, if betting were legal in a purely hypothetical world, I I would not bet on the United States national team to advance out of our group. That's what. Let's put it that way. I still win six hundred bucks if we win the world whole thing. You, you probably had to bet only like sixteen, five, you know, sixteen point five cents to get that. <laughs> five bucks. <laughs> That's a good bet. That's a good bet. Right, That's five and, bucks. You know that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. And Pat gets yellow because while I understand you're trying to compare the 2010 versus the 2014 teams, you can't really compare the teams when you have different group stage opponents and they have different teams. It doesn't really work. You, you well, just can't logically compare. If the 2010 team was in this group, there is no way in hell they would advance. Alright, so then what about the 2010 German group? I mean, the you're going to do that? Let's just... <laughs> I'm just comparing. We have improved a lot in four years. We have a much better okay, competitive team in four years. My point is, if you're going to start throwing that around, what about the 2010 German team, the 2010 Ghana team, or the 2010 Portugal team? I mean, they, all, you, 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 all three of those teams would beat our ass. In 2010? Maybe. I don't know. The well, 2010 tw- Ghana, well, Ghana team did. did beat our ass. Sure. The 2010 teams would beat our ass. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm just saying. The 2014 U.S. national team is better than the 2010 U.S. national team. I don't see how that's a problematic comparison. Other than the fact that it's wrong, it's not. <laughs> Whatever you think. All right, and then the last thing, there's no card for this one because, honestly, I wouldn't have known if I had looked it up. Portugal's ranked third right now, not fourth. Okay. I, yeah. I'm not giving you cards for that one because that one's, come on. Is Germany fourth or Germany two? Uh, no, I have to look that up. Uh, Brazil's fourth currently. Okay, all right. But that's because they, they didn't have to go through qualifying, so they didn't get all the points from that. Right, right. Okay. Cool. I was close. So I get, I get A for effort. <laughs> it's D for effort. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you want to follow us, you can reach us on our website, yanksgomarching.blogspot.com. You can email us any questions, thoughts at yanksgomarching at gmail.com. Uh, you can Facebook us at facebook.com slash yanksgomarching. Twitter, follow us at yanksgomarching. Myself, at pmacd82. Chris, at chriskaminsky18. And our producer, Jason, at Dr. Stooge. You can subscribe to us, leave a, uh, a rating on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or RSS feed. And you can find us now on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Marching. Chris, any last words? Uh, just death to Turkey. Yes, let's bring down Turkey. and uh, Let's start getting this train in motion toward, uh, you know, ma- making Ghana look bad. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh I'll leave it at that. And actually, one quick plug before uh, we go. Uh, I got a message from someone uh, at sportswag.com. They sent me a, a USA t-shirt. Um, I actually think it's pretty cool. Otherwise, I wouldn't mention it on the show. Uh, but it's a 
you know, a gray T-shirt with red, white, and blue outline of the United States. Uh, it says United in big red letters, 23 players, one nation, one goal. Uh, you know, if you're looking for a shirt, I'd say it's a worthy buy. Check it out at sportswag.com. I Wait, you said 22 players? 23, 23 players. You have any if it's players. If it's a, if I said, give them a yellow card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then I'd be like, oh boy, no, don't buy this shirt. Yeah, no. Twenty-two players, one nation, one goal. And it's it's a pretty cool shirt. So yeah, if you want to check it out, um, and you're looking for a shirt, I think it's uh, worth it. So that's uh, my plug for the night. Um, so for myself, Pat McDonald, Chris Kaminsky, and our producer Jason Iapico, this has been episode eleven of the Yanks Go Marching podcast. And we will see you later. Peace!